MSW Media. Thanks to Real Paper for supporting Daily Beans. No new trees are cut down to make Real Paper products. Sign up for a subscription and get 30% off your first order at real, R-E-E-L, paper.com slash dailybeans or use code dailybeans at checkout. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, January 27th, 2022. Today, Justice Breyer will retire from the Supreme Court, leaving a seat open for Biden to nominate a new justice. Another Joel Greenberg associate has pled guilty to witness intimidation and dealing Adderall and has provided information against Matt Gates. A federal judge has rejected John Eastman's bid to block his 19,000 or so emails from going to the 1-6 committee. And a top aide to Mark Meadows has provided over six hours of testimony to the Select Committee investigating January 6th. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello. Hello, Dana. Happy Thursday. Hello, my friend. How are you? <laughs> Today's news day was a month of news. <laughs> oh, my God. It started early, too. It did. It did. And speaking of starting early with that Matt Gates information, I'm going to be talking with Robert Denault a little bit later in the show to go over what we know and what we don't know. And then tomorrow, I'm going to be talking with Glenn Kirshner to break down the Department of Justice announcement that they're reviewing the seven state conspiracy. So it's been a jam packed day and we're going to try. I, I have, I, we're going to have to like break this news day up over the next two days and hope that <laughs> not much happens tomorrow. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll see how it goes. And then, of course, we have the good news later in the show. So I'm looking forward to that because I need a I need a, a happy. I mean, this has all been great news today. It's just been a very stressful day. It has been. But always ending with the good news feels good. We got our pet tax pictures. I've looked at a couple. Uh, they're delightful. I can't wait. And you know what? The sooner we do this, the the sooner we can get to the good news. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Big news today. Big news of the month, perhaps so far of the year. Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer has announced he will retire at the end of the current term, giving President Joe Biden a crucial opportunity to replace the liberal justice. And that's according to NBC News. They were the first out with the story. Breyer, who's 83, is the oldest member of the court. He was nominated by Bill Clinton, took his seat in 94. Okay, I hadn't even joined the Navy yet. I graduated (laughs) from high school. (laughs) His departure gives Biden a chance to fulfill his campaign promise to nominate a black woman to the bench. Breyer will retire as the high court, sporting a 6-3 conservative majority after the Senate confirmed three nominees for former President Donald Trump. The high court shows a willingness to wade into divisive cultural issues and question longstanding judicial precedent, as we know. Breyer's expected to step down at the end of the term, and that's according to people familiar with the decision. Biden is expected to act quickly so his successor can be ready to serve when the next term begins October 3rd, according to NBC. Democrats can confirm Breyer's successor with a simple majority in the Senate, as which, as we know, is split 50-50. Vice President Kamala Harris wields the decisive vote in the case of a tie. Some of the top contenders to replace Breyer include California Supreme Court Judge Leandra Kruger and, of course, Kentaji Brown Jackson, who currently sits on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. And that's where my beans are with Kentaji Brown Jackson. Biden nominated her to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals last year. 
And that's sort of the feeder court to the Supreme Court generally. And she also clerked for Breyer. That's right. Justice Jackson, if you're nasty, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. Although Judge Childs is Clyburn's favorite or was his favorite. I don't know where he's at now. And he is the one who who told Biden during the primaries, like, this is the promise you should make and I'll I'll get everybody behind you. And, and that he turned the tide for Biden to to be elected president or to win the primary so he could be elected president. So we'll see. We'll see who they choose. That sounds great. And a federal judge in California on Tuesday delivered a forceful defense of the January 6th Select Committee's efforts, sharply rejecting a bid by attorney John Eastman a key driver of Donald Trump's effort to subvert the 2020 election to block a subpoena from the panel to his former employer, Chapman University, who was like, here's his emails. And this is a quote. The public interest here is weighty and urgent, said Judge David Carter in a 16-page ruling rejecting Eastman's attempt to scuttle the subpoena for thousands of pages of his Chapman University emails. He went on to say Congress seeks to understand the causes of a grave attack on our nation's democracy and a near-successful attempt to subvert the will of the voters. Now, Carter said Eastman's effort to stoke distrust of the election results could reasonably be considered a, quote, influencing factor for some of those who stormed the Capitol on January 6, 2021. He said he would entertain claims of attorney-client privilege for specific documents, but would reject Eastman's blanket attempt to stymie the select committee. Carter noted that Chapman had identified 19,000 documents relevant to House investigators. Now, the ruling is one of the most consequential yet for the January 6th committee, which is fending off nearly a dozen lawsuits by the former guy, his allies, seeking to upend subpoenas for their testimony, documents, or phone records. Now, it comes as a day after Carter signaled he was likely to rule this way and order Eastman to begin working with the January 6th committee to identify any legitimately privileged documents. So he's got some work to do there. Eastman was a key advisor to Trump during the frantic weeks between Trump's defeat and the January 6th session of Congress meant to finalize the election of Joe Biden. He filed Trump's Supreme Court brief in a lawsuit brought by Texas meant to invalidate the results in four key states. Eastman later drafted a legal strategy to pressure then-Vice President Mike Pence to unilaterally overturn the election results during the January 6th session. Pence's refusal to pursue the strategy despite weeks of pressure from Trump, Eastman and others inflamed a mob, as we saw, that had surrounded the Capitol and ultimately overran police and sent lawmakers fleeing for safety. And this is a quote, Dr. Eastman's actions clearly fall within the bounds of an investigation into the influencing factors that fermented such an attack on American representative democracy. That's what Carter wrote, citing the committee's stated purpose. Carter's ruling also stands out because it's the first to tackle a key issue raised in nearly every other Trump allies lawsuit. And this what that is, it's, it's a claim that the committee is invalid because it includes no members appointed by House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. So that's what they're saying. It's bullshit because McCarthy didn't appoint. Well, if you'll remember, we did not accept McCarthy's appointees because they're sketchy as fuck like Jim Jordan. And so he took his toys and, and went home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the rules voted on by the House said that Nancy Pelosi would consult with the minority leader, not that she had to appoint any of his particularly selected involved <laughs> <laughs> other criminals. Right. And here's a fun story. I love the story. <laughs> Big Joe Ellicott, a former Florida shock jock on the morning with the BJ and the douche. No, I don't know. I don't know what the show was. <laughs> I do hope it's BJ and the douche. <laughs> 
Big Joe. That might be the name of the episode you'll decide later. <laughs> yeah, BJ and the douche. <laughs> Former shock jock with uh, potentially key information about the sex trafficking ring involving Matt Gates has pled guilty in federal court. And that's according to the Daily Beast. Put the story out really early this morning. Ellicott is the longtime best friend of corrupt Florida tax official Joel Greenberg, who was Gates's wingman in the underage sex operation, according to several sources with direct knowledge of their relationship. Last year, the Daily Beast revealed that Ellicott knew intimate details about the teenage girl who was paid for sex by the group and actually texted what essentially amounted to a confession that they were scrambling to try to cover up details about raping a minor. They were trying to cover that up from the feds. Ellicott was particularly legally exposed through his involvement with Greenberg, who ran the small Central Florida tax agency like a fiefdom where he hired his friends for no-show jobs. And that appears to be what took Ellicott down. The agreement has an unnamed co-conspirator who I believe to be L.A. Key, but I could be wrong. But that's one of the people who had a no-show job with Greenberg, who I drafted for my fantasy indictment league this week. So that's just <laughs> kind of who I'm hoping it is. But we'll watch for an indictment for, for her or others soon. And there's a whole list of potential unindicted contractor conspirators that uh, will be given to us by Robert Denault, who I'm going to speak with later in the show. Sounds great. All right. And 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 Ben Williamson. We talked about this top of the hour. You teased it. A top aide for former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows met on Tuesday with the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. And that's according to several sources familiar with the meeting. Now, Williamson was in the West Wing of the White House while the attack of the U.S. Capitol was underway. One source says his meeting with the Select Committee was conducted virtually and lasted between six and seven hours. His cooperation with the committee is significant, given that his boss, Meadows, is currently facing possible criminal contempt of Congress charges because of his lack of cooperation with the committee. And a spokesman for the committee declined to comment on Williamson's appearance. So they're keeping it hush-hush, but six hours of testimony. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that was six hours of we invoke our Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination or if he gave uh, substantial information to the committee. We simply don't know. But I'm sure we will soon find out. All right, we'll be right back to discuss that Matt Gates thing I was talking about with Robert Denault right after this. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Today's Beans is sponsored by Helix Sleep. Waking up tired after a bad night of sleep is no fun at all. I used to toss and turn all night. I was so stressed and I had anxiety and I slept hot. I wondered why I couldn't get quality sleep and I love sleeping. Thankfully, I discovered Helix. Helix Sleep has an online sleep quiz you can take at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. And it just takes a couple minutes to fill out and it matches you with a mattress that's perfect for you and will give you the best night's sleep of your life. I discovered my sleep issues were because of my mattress and the Helix mattresses cater to individual sleeping styles and your body type. And, and it's just, it's so wonderful. I can't, I can't say enough good things about Helix. You can choose from a wide array of mattresses from soft, medium to firm. They have ones that regulate your body temperature, some that align your spine. They even have a Helix Plus mattress for plus size sleepers. And uh, the Helix Midnight Bed was what I matched with me because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm mattress. So it's perfect for me and I've been sleeping like a, like a log. And due to Helix, I can fall asleep faster too. And so I stay asleep throughout the night and that makes me wake up refreshed and alert and I can have more energy throughout the day. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick in 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. And of course, leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine recommend Helix to improve your sleep. 
They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights with no risk. And they have financing and flexible payment plans, so a good night's sleep is never far away. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Again, helixsleep, that's H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Everybody, welcome back. Happy to be joined today by my friend, expert of the Middle District of Florida, also known as Tallahassee High School, (laughs) actual real life lawyer now, independent journalist, Robert Denault. Robert, hello. Hi, how are you? Good. I can never get that out of my head. It's high school that no one ever graduates from. <laughs> right. They they graduate, they spend a year doing something corrupt, and then they go to jail. <laughs> Which is what's going on today, because we have a new update. The last update in the Matt Gates story, outside of Greenberg having a sentencing pushback again to March, was that one of his ex-girlfriends, who was on the three-way call trying to intimidate the woman who at the time was 18, but had previously been with apparently allegedly with Matt Gates when she was a minor and was, you know, sex trafficked, et cetera. Again, that's all alleged. She had gotten an immunity deal and had testified to the grand jury. And now so we were all waiting to see what was going to happen next. And this week I drafted a woman named L.A. Key and a guy named Angles to my fantasy indictment league. But I did not draft Ellicott. Tell us who Joe, Big Joe Ellicott is and what uh, role he plays in the Tallahassee High School. Yeah, so so Joe Ellicott is a, a friend of Joel Greenberg's. They've been friends for a pretty long time, uh, I believe as far back as maybe even high school. He was in Joel Greenberg's wedding, uh, from what I understand. And so the two of them were kind of cronies, and he actually worked as a deputy. You know, I, I believe it was thought that he was a deputy tax collector under Joel, but the indictment or plea agreement today identified him as sort of a contract specialist, something like that. Uh, so, you know, he, he got some job in the tax collector's office and, and made some money when Joel uh, held that position. Um, and today it came out that he is pleading guilty to two counts. Uh, one, a fraud scheme involving the tax collector's office and phony contracts that he helped Joel facilitate with an unknown conspirator who is written by prosecutors as the, quote, contractor conspirator, and uh, another charge for dealing Adderall and narcotics uh, down in Florida. Now, I have not reviewed the charging documents. Does the contractor conspirator have pronouns? No. No pronouns. Very careful not to give any clues. Although uh, we know that the contractor conspirator and their company entered into a contract, uh, one of many of this kind, with Joel's office in January 2017 and was paid inflated uh, invoices. You know, we can get into the details and the nitty gritty, but this is sort of the type of stuff you and I have been talking about for about six to eight months. I I have been telling you that I think this whole case is going to go down this road of these fake contracts that Joel Greenberg used to pay other Republicans, friends, and potentially, you know, politically powerful people in Florida who seem to be siphoning taxpayer money through Joel Greenberg. So do you know of any... You know, these two that I mentioned, Key and Engels, have you seen through your research anything that might suggest that the contracted co-conspirator 
who Ellicott just basically helped set up these payments for. Anything indicating that it might be either one of them, like perhaps the date you said when they entered into the contract in January of 2017 or any other sort of clues that that you've been able to to piece together to say who this other person is? Because I'm assuming that contractor is going to be our next indictment out of the Middle District of Florida. Right. So great question. It, it leapt off the page at me as soon as I saw those words, contractor, conspirator. And so my brain immediately started thinking, is this is this LA key? Is this another contractor? Because there's many and I'll go through the list of, of people it, <laughs> it could be. But I, you know, I think that the January 2017 date is important. I don't believe the LA key contract was drafted until February 2017. I remember making a document request to the Seminole County Tax Collector's Office when I first started writing about this case. And uh, due to open records, you know, laws in Florida, they had to provide that contract. And I remember it being dated February 2017. It might not have even been dated with a specific date, the version I got, but the month on it was February. So I think that kind of suggests that's not this contract. But this whole, you know, the big question we've sort of wrestled with in our conversations, and I think I've said it a few times, is that fraud here is the big question. How do you make this case? You know, can prosecutors make a case that there is a theory of fraud that applies here and, and that federal criminal law made this illegal? And today's plea reveals that they feel that they can stand on that ground about some of these contracts. It doesn't mean it'll apply to everyone. But if I'm a contract holder who has one of these suspicious contracts and got some some strange money from Joel Greenberg in his tenure, I am absolutely terrified right now that they're digging through these contracts and they are trying to get cooperators who are going to explain to them what their theories of fraud can be. And not only that, but cooperators who can help them in their discussions about sex trafficking a minor or witness intimidation, which apparently this particular Ellicott person was able to sort of uh, give some information on from from my understanding, because Greenberg standalone crap witness. I mean, this guy is a bad dude. And while witness testimony is important and he led, you know, prosecutors and was given a huge break, I think 26 counts was, were peeled off of right. his indictment to lead them in the right direction. His testimony alone, I you know, I would be wary of using his testimony alone as a prosecutor. So when you bring in the ex-girlfriend and Ellicott, who doesn't sound like the raddest dude either. But if you start getting a bunch of people who are willing to say the same thing, even if they're like half credible dickheads, you know, 12 half credible dickheads makes like, you know, three credible people. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And and I think the other good point is that there's, you know, corroborating evidence put in that doesn't involve testimony. It's phone calls. And, you know, it's a story of, well, I think we went and called so-and-so right after the cash was delivered. And then you see in the charging document, yes, that's corroborated by phone record evidence. You know, this call was made just minutes before, you know, a deposit or an hour before a deposit was made. That was in one of the <laughs> the documents today. It was like <laughs> uh, cash was delivered. Joel called contractor conspirator. They spoke for four minutes. And then an hour later, a deposit was made. And it's like, wow, okay, you know, you can be two boneheads, but if all the records show that this story bears out, it makes it that much easier to say, look, who do you believe to a jury? And, you know, just the breadth of this, I don't know if it has struck people quite yet how far the tentacles of this could reach. I mean, these contracts, they went 
you know, to, to a number of Florida Republicans who are either currently in office or have recently held office, uh, our lobbyists, um, our political consultants. And one of them was a secretary of state for Ron DeSantis for three weeks before he resigned over a blackface scandal. But I mean, you know, these people, I, this is really far reaching. And, and to see the first charge that has come to fruition and see a theory of federal criminal law that applies here, I, I think we're getting toward the end game here where a lot will come out. Yeah. And and speaking of that, did you see any contracts that were entered into, you know, existence with the Seminole Tax County uh, office of Joel Greenberg in January of 2017? Did you did were you able to make any connections like that? And then second of all, you were going to give me a list of, of suspicious contractors that we just that we know about. Yeah. So I'll start with that because I haven't gone through every single one for days. And there are good resources out there. You know, the Orlando Sentinel began with audits uh, a couple years ago about this kind of spending. And so there's good articles out there. WFTV actually cornered L.A. Key, this woman, her husband, who was the registered agent for the business that made the contract uh, with Joel's office. And uh, he, you know, he couldn't answer basic questions about what work they had done. He said consulting. And they said, can you elaborate on that? He said, no. <laughs> you know, and he, mm. it's, uh, it's pretty bad. So here, here's a list, you know, that they sort of had assembled. First, you know, MAGA Advisory Limited. That was the that was the company that we said was affiliated with with LA Key. This woman who's sort of a MAGA person, uh, she inked a contract with Joel Greenberg's office in February 2017. She had a business with Jacob Engels. It was supposed to be a nonprofit raising funds for victims of Hurricane Irma, I think. But it was existed at the same exact time. And so there's, you know, obviously what, what sort of work product did she do? They were paid on a monthly retainer. I believe she also received a salary from the office. So maybe, you know, could look into that. We have uh, Florida Republican Anthony Sabatini, his law firm, inked a contract with Joel's office. Florida Republican Matt Morgan, who was a former mayor, I think he ran for commissioner in Seminole County. He was paid $40,000 for an unknown project. And uh, around the same time, was able to clear a $37,000 tax lien so he could run for office. Mm-hmm. Florida Republican lobbyist Chris Dorward, his company uh, that he had worked for and resigned since this Matt Gates scandal has broken, did lobbying work for the office. Um, Megan Zalanka, she worked for Jason Pirazzolo. Uh, he was a doctor who's also affiliated with Matt Gates and went on that Bahamas trip. She had a consulting firm that got a contract from Joel's office. Eric Fogelsong, a political consultant who provided support to sort of a mysterious independent candidate, one of those you know candidates with similar names who ran and maybe acted as a spoiler candidate in state Senate elections. Uh, he had a contract with Joel's office and Republican Mike Ertel, who was the person, he was the former Seminole County Supervisor of Elections, and he was appointed by Ron DeSantis to serve as Secretary of State until he resigned shortly later, you know, I think a very short period of time over a scandal. And that's just, you know, the people who were reported on by Orlando Sentinel or, or WFTV. I, I, it, and, and that should scare people. I mean, that is a massive list of power brokers across Florida. Yeah. And they're not just nobodies, you know. And then, of course, you and I talked briefly about these other real estate scam things that sort of were run that that required false identifications that may or may not have needed to come out of the Seminole Tax Office. But we weren't able to make any connections with those. But they did. have It was just an interesting timing with the real estate tax fraud schemes. 
so wow. Okay, so now I've got uh, these whoa, six people, <laughs> and then Angles and L.A. Key seven eight. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need a bigger fantasy indictment draft to hold all these names. But would you assume that before we see a Matt Gates indictment, that we'll see at least some of these other indictments first, perhaps that they're trying to get more corroborating witnesses or. I mean, a lot of these folks might not have any idea about the witness intimidation or the sex trafficking of a minor or the bribery schemes for the marijuana laws or whatever else Matt Gates is wrapped up in with campaign finance violations. And so, you know, maybe at some point the investigation sort of branches off into the Gates side and then the rest of these jokers who still need to be investigated for their potential fraudulent contracts with the Seminole County Tax Collector's Office. Yeah, I think that is right. I, I was reading the Washington Post article about this development today. I think it was the Washington Post. It was either them or the New York Times. And they indicated there are two separate investigations, that D.C. prosecutors are in Florida investigating a sex trafficking issue, but that local, more local prosecutors are handling the financial parts of this. And it's not to say there's not intersection, but I think you're right to note that not every one of these people may have even been aware of what was going on in the party scene that was Florida. Now, it seems like this guy, Joe Ellicott, based on the statements his attorney made today, was aware of that and did have some involvement in that party scene. But I don't think that means everybody who got a strange contract from Joel was was part of that. So I think it's fair to, to say you might see some charges on the financial side of this before you see that. That being said, you know, presenting people to the grand jury is a, is a serious move. And to see... Uh, you know, Matt Gates's ex go in there and testify to a grand jury. I, they, they feel, you know, comfortable putting her in front of there with an immunity deal for a reason. So they're building something. What it is or whether they'll get a grand jury indictment still remains to be seen. But they're not they're, they're not uh, at the beginning of that process. That's that's mm. sure. Yeah. And then if none, if none of these other folks have any f- additional information that would be beneficial to the Matt Gates investigation, then, you know, like you said, it, the Matt Gates indictment could drop tomorrow uh, before any of these other indictments drop, if there are indictments to be had in these other places. I mean, we're just all being extremely speculative here, but it seems to me that because I felt with the ex-girlfriend's testimony, like that's all you need. Like, I felt like that was enough. But I mean, if there are other people who have additional information, you're going to want to wrap that all up in your case before you put the charges out. Yeah, I think that's true. One really interesting thing that I don't know would have occurred to me until I started to actually work in law. (laughs) Uh, I think that there's a statute of limitations concept going here. It's been five years since Joel took office. And five years is the statute of limitations for most federal crimes. So I noticed in the in the deal today was about a January 2017 contract. And so, you know, it doesn't mean that January 2017 was necessarily the last date, you know, that you could have to charge that. But there may be some impetus to go up to these months where these contracts were inked or something like that. You know, gather as much evidence as you can until you have to bring the charge. We're almost at the five year mark for some of these things. So if you're at that point, why not use every week you can to make a more airtight case? I think that that goes to all of us being a bit more patient. You know, complicated case. It's sprawling. They've got a lot on their hands, obviously. 
So let them make it as strong as they can because they're running up against the clock on some of these charges. Yeah, true. And and also just because the, the contract was inked in January 2017, if payments continue mm-hmm. to be made past that or or if, you know, the shaft stops, but the crime continues, you sure. know, or or you you don't become aware of the fraud until a certain, you know, a certain discovery of it. And then the statute of limitations start. The clock starts ticking. But, yeah, I can see how. And, you know, especially given the child sex trafficking charge. But I don't think that carries a statute of limitations. Yeah. I'm not sure I would have to look that up. But the, yeah, I, that makes sense now that you you January 2017. That's now. Yeah, that's right now. And it's for the fraud. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, you're right. The other serious stuff may have longer statutes of limitations. I know like conspiracy to defraud the United States, I think, has a, has a longer I think maybe seven years or something like that. So, you know, it's possible if they were going for really big charges uh, or some sort of scheme, they may, you know, get a, a bigger window to bring that. But I think on some of these fraud things, especially where they don't get a cooperator and all they have is a sham contract or one or two payments, those they may run into to statute of limitations concerns on soon. So, you know, it's just something to think about in the equation of where their heads might be at on bringing bringing charges and unsealing. Very good point. Well, thank you for this update. We really appreciate it. This is going to run on the beans. I'm probably going to run it on Mueller. She wrote for the Fantasy Indictment League this weekend, too. But really great information. And um, we're going to have to publish this list of funky contracts (laughs) (laughs) on Twitter. And the the Venmo contacts. uh, Gosh, Gase wasn't the only one. I think Sabatini was also in there. These were contacts of, of Joe Ellicott's on Venmo that we we went through today very quickly and, and found. Well, maybe that's what the contracts were for, was for to get Adderall from the DJ. <laughs> Literally, it's lazy even for Florida. Like, it's, it's, oh, man, don't use Venmo to commit your crimes. Yeah. Somebody asked me on Twitter, like, what kind of dumbass buys Adderall off of uh, <laughs> off of Venmo? I said the same dumbass that buys women off of Venmo. Yeah, probably. yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's terrible. I, I and you can still go on and find their accounts. I, That's what <laughs> blew me away when you sent me the photo. I'm like, why is he why is he not unfriended? But you know what I've realized is that if you deleted it while under scrutiny, <gasps> they maybe could say it was obstructive. Oh, yeah, very true. I, I think it would be a long shot. I doubt they would do it. But it, they've done that for, you know, other cases. If you delete both or you try to delete your stuff. I would. I'd be like, you know what? I've already obstructed. I've already obstructed. Might as well just keep obstructing. <laughs> I, I, get rid of your Venmo. That's really, <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> anyway, thank you for talking today. Everybody follow on Twitter, Robert Denault. You come out with the stuff so fast and it's so fun to follow you. And again, congratulations on passing the bar. I know it's been a while. And I know you've done it since we've talked. Yeah. But we'll, we'll bring you back on soon because I feel like the like I'm with you. This is this case is at the end of its road. Whether it's the one investigation or now it's split off into sort of two more local money fraud contract stuff and the Matt Gates stuff. We'll see what happens. But I appreciate your time. Thank you. I can't wait to come back. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back for the good news. Hey, everybody. It's AG with today's episode of Daily Beans, and it's brought to you by Real Paper. Have you ever thought about where your toilet paper and paper towels come from? I mean, thought about it? Because for the most part, they come from North American old growth forests. And every day we're cutting down thousands of trees to make something we use once and then throw away or flush that ends up in landfills. Almost a quarter of the carbon we emit into the atmosphere is removed by these forests, making them vital to fight climate change. 
And we can help by using real paper. This is something simple that you can do. By using real paper, you reduce plastic waste and deforestation. The paper towels and toilet paper made by real paper are made from non-virgin tree fibers, so they contain no plastic as well, and no new trees are cut down to make them. Real is a sustainable alternative that does not sacrifice quality. I have it myself. Absolutely wonderful products. And that's a tremendous step forward. Real paper has already eliminated over 250,000 pieces of single-use plastic. And when you buy Real, you help fund clean sanitation programs around the world. And I love that. It's a pleasure to support Real Paper because of the company's commitment to saving the planet and not destroying it. Their website makes buying Real Paper simple and hassle-free. They have a subscription or one-time purchases. And all orders are conveniently delivered to your doorstep in 100% recyclable plastic-free packaging. That's amazing. Uh, if you head to realpaper.com slash dailybeans and sign up for a subscription using my code dailybeans at checkout, all one word, dailybeans, you automatically get 30% off your first order. That's huge. That's realpaper, R-E-E-L-P-A-P-E-R.com slash dailybeans or enter promo code dailybeans to get 30% off your first order. Real paper is toilet paper and paper towels that change lives. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And if you have any good news, corrections, confessions, my new favorite thing will be stories. Whatever you have, photos, pod pet tax, you can send it in to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. We appreciate all of your submissions. And uh, I'm going to kick us off with a submission from Glenn Notkirshner, <laughs> pronouns he and him. It's been a while since I've written. I kept trying to write an epic hallelujah with the works, but I didn't want to say I was excited to hear AG talking about the idea of having on Martha from Away With Words. <laughs> My first podcast and my first podcast appearance. That would be splendiferous. I remember the first I heard of the Oath Keepers was someone saying online how glad he was that Martha was one of them. I think maybe he was mistaken. Yeah, sounds like it. I have a couple of Mondegreens. I've been on record for years supporting Starbucks lovers from Tay-Tay's blank space. Same. Yeah. Same. It sounds to me that she has a list of Starbucks lovers instead of star-crossed lovers. So I'm with you on this one, Glenn. <laughs> and I'm lately reminded I've been hearing hold the bathtub just to please you in Kim Carnes' Betty Davis eyes for even longer. <laughs> yeah, all right, there you go. After all, she knows what it takes to make a crow blush. <laughs> awesome. Great Monda Greens, Glenn. Thank you. Pod Pet Tax, my increasingly constant shoulder companion, Hudson. Oh, such a sweet pick. Hello. Hudson's cute. All right, Glenn, thanks for kicking us off today. This is from Michael, pronouncing him. Not good news. Not good news. In fact, it makes me feel icky. I received a my pillow for Christmas about eight years ago, and I like it. It doesn't feel lumpy when I lay my head down. Quick shake fluffs it right up, and it doesn't retain heat. It's also eight years old and just now starting to come undone. Have no fear, though, Laguminati. All the things I like about my pillow doesn't make up for the baggage that comes with it. And I won't be getting a new one to replace it. As penance for such a horrible admission, I submit a photo of Inira, Inira Dax, a.k.a. Floofy Doofy. Thank you so much, Michael, for that for letting me say Floofy Doofy. And yes, she responds to Floof when she's called. Thanks for being awesome and have a great day. And this is quite... The very, uh, very put together, uh, yes. full, looks like a standard poodle we have here. 
Mm-hmm. With the ombre in the hair and the feet crossed ever so elegantly. Yes. Such a lady. So cute. What a honey. Wait, do we have more standard poodles to come? What's this? Oh, oh, oh my. Okay. From Sybil, pronoun she and her. My rescue standard poodle Archie is 13 today. He loves walks, but has spinal stenosis and can't jump like he used to and weighs 50 pounds. Same. So I bought him. Yeah. Mm. A little more uh, than so 50. I I bought him a ramp to get in and out of the car. The jury is still out on how much he likes it. (laughs) Thank you so much for uh, Beanistas for your podcast. Love y'all mucho. Look at the baby. Oh, sweet baby. Standard poodles, I just think, are stunning dogs. They're so cool. They're so smart. Yep. They really are. Nice. All right, go go ahead, my friend. You take the next one here. Oh, let's here we go. Okay, this is from Amy. Oh my goodness. <gasps> Amy, she and her, hello, my lovely beings of the beans. This is what happens when you have an abandoned or lagging lamb in the barn. Because I always wanted to know, Chopper gets to be a caretaker, a role he relishes. This little lady was part of triplets born on January 25th. I'm sure she'll be just fine, thanks to the love and affection given by our big lug. Look at these tiny <laughs> little lambs. Oh, look at this baby with a dog. Oh. oh, my God. That's adorable. That is adorable. Oh, my God. There's a literal baby. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I can't even. Oh, oh, my God. Okay. Danielle, no pronouns given, has submitted a baby picture. Hey, favorite peoples. Until I listened to Midas Touch on the Beans recently, I totally was reading the name on Twitter as Media's Touch. So there's that. Okay, you can (laughs) laugh at me. You can laugh at me now. P.S. Baby says, hi, I'm six weeks this week. This is Danielle's little baby. Baby's perfect. I'm going to smell baby's head. Look at the kitty. Oh, San Francisco, Hmm. it's going to be a game this weekend. So cute. Oh, Oh, God, I've turned into a football lesbian. God help us. Okay. (laughs) I'm not really. It'll end. Trust me, it'll end quickly. All right. This is from Chris in Portland. Pronouns she and her. I've included pictures of a stuffy I've had every day of my 40 plus years of life. Her name is Bear. And if she had another, it is lost to the ravages of time. Also included are a picture of Moosey making a pre-yawn grimace, and the last picture of Tesla. (laughs) Bonus blip. (laughs) Finally, I include a poem in two parts, inspired by a particularly Susian turn of phrase Dana used a few weeks ago. Huh. Allison. Okay. It looks like we have parts to read here. Yes, Allison, this is yours, dear. All right. Our episode is done today of Hot Notes. We have no more to say. The interview was long ago. The good news segment ends our show. So now I ask you, Dana friend, have you a final thought to send? It is time for my final thought. How unexpected. I'm distraught. I do not have them, I declare. I do not have them anywhere. (laughs) I will not talk of this and that. I will, though, coo for a cute cat. All my thoughts have come and flown. So please leave me the heck alone. Oh, wait, (laughs) I think I have a thought. Nope, never mind. I forgot. I do not have them with dismay. I have no final thoughts today. (laughs) thanks chris oh look at this bear that was awesome bear is quite cute and loved these kitties the blep Mm. (laughs) so great thank you chris for sharing these and thanks for the poem i appreciate it although i am going to ask dana if you do have any final thoughts for today (laughs) uh no i do not have final thoughts today 
Okay. You do not have them with you. I was going to try and write my own poem, but it didn't work. <laughs> I, well, mainly because you jumped in, but I... <laughs> That's what ta- that's the time of comedians. People were not used to working in teams. <laughs> Leave it to a couple of comedians to step all over each other's punchline. I know. I was like, I do not have any final thoughts today. I oh no, Dana's done. Okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any final thoughts. Although, nope, no, nope. <laughs> I'm good. Nope, nope. Save for tomorrow. Save for tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow we're going to be joined by I will save them Amy for Monday because Amy, Amy may actually have final thoughts for you. She might. We'll find out. We'll find out tomorrow. And uh, of course, this weekend, we're going to have uh, Muller She Wrote, the MSW Book Club. We're doing Corruptible with Brian Kloss. And uh, like I said, tomorrow, Glenn Kirshner will be joining me for a quick interview about Department of Justice and where we're at. So, Dana, if you don't have any final thoughts, I'll just go ahead and wrap up and tell everyone until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.